I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast, where we talk about family-style homeschooling. Hi, this is Michelle, and I'm with Karen today. Hi. I'm always with Karen, so I know that was a surprise for you. (laughs) Well, when we're sisters and we like hanging out and talking about homeschooling, we're together a lot. Yeah. So (laughs) today we're talking about um, letting kids own their learning. When I started homeschooling, I did not let my kids own their learning. And that was probably because they were really little. And I was accustomed to my teacher hat that I was used to wearing because I taught in schools and I taught preschool before my son started kindergarten. And so I was very accustomed to preparing everything and having in my mind this lesson plan. Very often it wasn't just in my mind. I had detailed lesson plans of what I was going to teach. And as I've grown as a homeschool mom, I have learned that it's a lot more valuable for kids to take some charge of their own learning. So Michelle, how do you do that in your homeschool? How do you let your kids own some of their own responsibilities? Well, the first way is probably that I let them have some choices. I don't let them choose everything. They don't have an option on whether or not they're going to learn math. They have to learn math. But for example, I let them decide where they're going to sit when they're doing their math. And that's a really simple thing. But if I force them to sit at the table, they're going to be grumpier than if I let them sprawl all over the couches and move from to different rooms. My kids are quiet and they need that quiet space. And if they are allowed to move around and go to the spot where they want, they learn better and they feel happier about it. I do the same thing with my kids, but we open up the option of music, which I don't think your kids love music like mine do. But my kids love to listen to music while they do certain parts of their school day. And so some of the time we actually have music playing out loud for everyone, but quite often they have headphones on and they get to choose to listen to music or to have it be quiet. And they like that option and that choice and that ownership Every so often I'll say, I can't handle music today. We need a quiet day. But most of the time I give them that option and it makes them feel like they have some control over what they're doing. Yeah. And there are other places you can let them make choices. For example, you can let them choose what topics to research. Not too long ago, we were learning about World War II and we brainstormed a list of topics that had to do with World War II up on our chalkboard. And then I told the boys, okay, now you are going to choose one of these and I want you to make a poster board about this topic. And Garrett chose to do it about spy operations of World War II. And he loved that project. He got so excited about it that when he got done with it, we put the posters up on the wall for a short time. I When the unit was done, the posters came down. So it was like a week they were up there. But when he took his down, he wanted to keep it. Garrett doesn't normally. He's like, let's check that thing. I want to get rid of it. But he was so invested in this because he had chosen it and he was interested in it that he kept the poster. Yeah, I I give my kids some choices in our layers of learning explorations pretty often. And they get to look over the unit book with me and then decide on what they're most interested in. And without fail, those are the ones that they pursue with the most interest. So sometimes I have things that are really important to me and I can't let go of those. And I say, this is what we're doing. But as often as I can kind of let go of my controlling teacher hat, I will let my kids choose. I'm always glad when I do that. They always end up getting a lot more interested and a lot more invested. And it requires less of me 
when they're taking that ownership. So it's cool to watch them do that. Yeah, I I like having kids get a little bit of, they get into things more when they get to choose. So one of the things that my children have chosen this year, the two youngest, Garrett and Harrison, they have decided they want to learn piano this year. And I was actually, all my older the older four had all taken some piano lessons. And again, we're not a very musical family, but I feel like it's just part of an educated person to know a little bit about music. And so I wanted them all to take music, but I was kind of burned out on it. And I was like, eh, we don't really need to do music. And I was going to get rid of the piano. And the two youngest were like, no, no, no. And I said, well, why should we keep a piano? Because we want to learn piano. So they chose that. And this whole year they've been learning piano and they take lessons from their grandma, which is a really great bonding experience for them too with her. But they have not needed me to tell them to practice. They just go and do it. And and grandma keeps saying, oh, they're making such great progress. And I'm like, really? Wonderful. Because I have not been engaged in that. They have done it because they wanted to take piano. It was their choice. And so they have made sure to be the ones behind that effort. It hasn't been me making sure they practice. That's part of them taking ownership of that. I think another thing that I've done that helps my kids own their learning is that I love for them to show off their work. And this is probably easier for me than it is for you because I don't mind some things being up on the walls a little bit. And you're much more minimalist and you like to have a really clean environment, Michelle. But I don't mind having, you know, some bulletin boards and having their work up for a while on the walls. But when they see their work, when I say, wow, that is awesome. And we put it up on our little bulletin board that clips. We have little clips and they can hang their work up on the clips. When their work makes it up to the board, they feel super, super proud of it. And they're actually motivated to do better work with the hope that it will be good enough to make it up onto the board and that mom will say, wow, that is so great. Go clip it up on the board. So they own their learning more when they have this chance to show off. And I have real show offs for kids kind of. I don't know if yours are as motivated by that. Less so, but when they get praised, they really, really blossom with that. So I have noticed your kids love to recite things to me. They'll recite, they'll recite Shakespeare or poems, all kinds of things to me. Yeah, they do. When they feel like they've really learned something well, they do like to show it off. And this year, we've I've actually made more of an effort to have them show off their work. So we've been reading their writing assignments aloud. That's one thing that we've done that's kind of been a change this year. After they finished a reading a writing assignment, they get a chance to read it to everyone. And they really, really love that. And we all clap. Everybody claps. And they get to present. And it's it's fun for them. That is every single Friday in our homeschool. We use Friday as a catch-up day for things that we didn't get to, but mostly Friday is our review day and our presentation day. So they'll get to show off whatever excited them that they learned about that week. And we always start out our Fridays with a, a big game, a review game that we play. And we have a book that we use that is kind of like our big question bank. I'll write questions in it of things that we've been learning about together. And then on Fridays, they get quizzed and they can earn points and we we turn it into a big competitive game. Yeah. And you posted about that, the big book of knowledge. That's a blog post on our site now. So you can look that up. And there's actually a printable that goes with that. So you can make your own big book of knowledge. I think one of the most important parts of that, though, is just that that positive feedback. They're presenting 
because there's an audience and the audience needs to be responsive to them. If the audience just sits there staring at them, it's, it's not a good experience. So having your kids clap and cheer on the other kids and finding specific things to praise them on is really, really important. Yeah, we, we do book projects on Fridays also. Um, we don't do book projects every single week, but when my kids finish a book that they particularly loved, I ask them to do a book project, which could be anything. They might make a diorama or a poster or just tell us what they love about the book or write a newspaper article about it. It can be any variety of things, and it might be a nonfiction book that they read for our layers of learning units, or it could be just a fiction book that they loved. But they present their book projects as well. And every time I let my kids show off their work in any way, they really excel at what they're doing. So they're owning it and they're feeling proud of it. And then when we all cheer each other on, it just adds to that excitement. They're really motivated to do well. I actually learned that lesson the hard way. Because my son, CJ, was not enjoying writing. He was angry about it, actually. He was very upset. And one day he said to me, Mom, why do I even bother writing? If all you ever do is tell me what's wrong with it. And I realized, oh my gosh, he's right. All I do is tell him all the grammar changes he needs to make, all the places where he should have put a period, everywhere that belong, a, a paragraph belongs. And I wasn't telling him how good his writing was. So I apologized to him and I told him, you know what? You're absolutely right. And I changed. I decided I'm going to change how I do that. And I started to praise his writing. We still went in and fixed all the mistakes, but I approached it differently. Instead of me criticizing everything he'd done wrong, I was praising him. And then I was saying, here, let's make it better. Let me show you what you need to do next. It it was a completely different paradigm change for me as the teacher, as the mom. And that the praise helps your kids just love it. CJ loves writing now. And that, that was a change that happened almost overnight because of that one element. So I had an interesting experience with my kids lately too. And it wasn't dealing with writing, but we were actually learning about the early years of America. And we had learned all about these great founding fathers, these men who were important to America. And my daughters were feeling quite sad. They were a little bit neglected. And they said, where are the women? And unfortunately, throughout most of history, we focus a lot on the men. And it's not that Michelle and I are trying to focus on the men in history. It's that men have had a place in the history books. And sometimes it can be hard to find those heroic women. And my daughters noticed this. And they wanted to learn about some women who were important in America. And so we paused what we were doing in our layers of learning work. And we said, you know what, we need to take a minute. And I needed to follow my girl's lead. And I'm so grateful that they were mature enough to notice this. And we all, boys and girls included, stopped and took a moment to learn more about some great women in U.S. history. And my daughter, Isabel, she was really, really excited about this. I told each of the kids, you get to choose a woman who was important to our nation, and you're going to research her, and you're going to teach all of us about her in any way that you want. And Isabel chose Betsy Ross, and she looked up all kinds of videos, and she got some books from the library and learned all about Betsy Ross. She came across the way that Betsy Ross had made the stars when she sewed the American flag. 
And she taught us that star folding trick that allowed Betsy Ross to cut out the stars in the way that she did. And so each of us made a star in Betsy Ross's style. And it was so neat to watch my daughter light up as she got to teach us about Betsy Ross and about this woman who was important in U.S. history. And so it was eye-opening for me to watch as she really owned her own learning. And we deviated from what I had planned, but it was the best deviation because she was excited about it and we learned things that we may not have learned if I didn't follow my kid's lead. So the next thing is planners. Giving kids, whether it's a simple checklist that they follow, or if you have a full-on planner where you're having your children enter their assignments, if you give them a planner, it helps them to be able to complete their work at their own pace. They don't feel like they have to be done by the clock, or they must be done with math at the same time their older brother is done with math. They can do things at their own pace. I let my children do their individual work in any order they like, so they get a checklist of the reading, writing, and math stuff that they need to complete, and their um, subject of the day, which is, for my older boys, they're studying Spanish right now, and the two younger are doing piano. So they get to decide what order they're going to complete those in. That simple thing, just them being able to have that checklist and that planner that they have control over, that really helps them to be happier about their learning so that they have this sense of ownership, like I get to do it the way I want to. Yeah, I think what you said about them choosing the order is big for my kids too, because let's get real, sometimes we're moody. Everyone's kind of moody. And sometimes you go, I am not in the mood to write right now. I am not in the mood to do math. Sometimes my kids want to curl up with a book and far be it from me to tell them, I'm sorry, but you cannot curl up with a book on the couch right now. If they are capable of getting their work done, then let them dictate the order. Give them that little bit of control. If you can let go of some of the schedule that you have in your mind and give that over to your kids, they can feel real ownership and a real responsibility for what they're doing. My kids probably accomplish more because they have planners than we ever could without them because they always get to stay on task and do what they're in the mood to do at the time. Okay, and the next thing is training. So the more you train your children to be able to accomplish a task, the more they will feel confident in doing so. And that helps them to really own their learning. And again, I learned this because of writing with my children. I am a natural writer. I'm a reader and a writer, and it just comes easy to me. But none of my children are that way. And it took me a long time to figure out what was going on in their heads and to to understand that what I needed to do was break down the task. If I hand them just this big writing assignment, so if I ask them to do a paper about like Native American homes, then they will just stare at the paper. They will not know what to do. But if I break it down into tiny little steps, say, okay, today what you're going to do is go research a Native American home. Garrett, would you like to do teepees? And then he can decide exactly the type of home he wants. And he will go look up information about teepees. And I tell him, I want you to write down five facts about teepees. And he is able to write down those five facts. And then on day two... I will say, okay, today you are going to write the first fact in a complete sentence in your own words. And he will be able to do that whole sentence by himself. So when they were first learning to write, and we still do this not quite as broken down, we've kind of moved on a little ways, but when we first started to do this, they needed that much direction. They needed to be told exactly what to do one step at a time so they didn't feel overwhelmed. 
But because I broke the tasks down for them, it has made them confident so that now they are moving forward and they're able to complete the work more quickly and more independently. I think it's interesting with writing in particular, we kind of expect our kids to just know how to do it. And we forget that there are a lot of processes happening when they write. So they are physically having to write and that's work, especially for little ones. And then they have to remember the spelling rules and the grammar rules. And we're focused on their style and their sentence fluency and all of the ideas that they have. And for kids, it can be so much to focus on all at once. If you can think of the things that you're asking your kids to do more like you think of a recipe, I think that's helpful. You're first helping them gather the ingredients for what they need. And then you give them really specific instructions. First, you will do this. Next, you will do this. And that might feel like the opposite of having kids own their own learning, but really it's not. It's empowering them to know how to do it. You have to teach step by step. You can't just expect them to get an entire big concept. And then they get to grow into it. When they learn each little step of how to do things, that becomes a part of them. It's in their skill set now. And that gives them the opportunity to really own their learning moving forward because they are capable of doing it. Okay, and the final part of owning their learning that we're going to talk about today is learning together. When you learn with your kids, you hear their insights and you foster their curiosity. You help them to see the interesting bits of the world and they start to want to learn because they get to go through the process of following their own rabbit trails, of following their own interests, so that when you're learning all together at the same time and not just lecturing towards them, then their ideas become valid and they start to care more about it. One of the really important things I think when we're learning together is that I want to be able to ask my kids lots of questions. And Michelle and I often speak to moms about how to ask questions of your kids. The main advice that we give is to not ask questions that you have all of the answers to. Ask really open-ended questions. I mentioned the founding fathers. When we were learning about the founding fathers, I asked them, which founding father would you most like to meet and why? There's not a right answer to that. That's an open-ended opinion question, but it caused them to stop and think, who would I want to meet and why would that matter to me? What's the connection that I see between myself and that founding father of America? It makes kids more thoughtful and really get to own the knowledge that they're gaining when they relate it back to themselves. So ask those questions that will allow them to look inside themselves. So in unit 2-4, it's about the Vikings and the art section is Viking art. And we have a writer's workshop sidebar in this unit that's about the Lord of the Rings. Because the Lord of the Rings is based a lot on the Norse myths, and it gets its material from the Poetic Edda and the Prose Edda. But the Hobbits, that whole idea, that was completely Tolkien. So the writing assignment is, what creature would you invent? Describe what they look like, where they live, what they eat, and who their enemies are, what their society is like. So it's not 
as opposed to being a writing assignment where they're actually just reporting on facts, they actually get to invent some of their own ideas. Their ideas are valid. And the fact that they get to have their input, their imagination, their curiosity, their inventiveness is going into this makes them so much more invested in it. Now, some other questions that I like to ask my kids are, how would you solve this problem? Or if you were there, what would you have done? Or I just ask them to describe what they think about something. If we have just learned about a battle, for example, I might say, what do you think about that battle? What could have been different if, and then we we fill in the blanks. We don't have the answers to those questions. These are thought questions that are totally open-ended, that kids might say anything. And one kid will say something different from another kid. That can spark a really cool discussion in your homeschool. And asking those open-ended questions tells them that their ideas are valid, that they have important ideas and something to contribute. And that's really what owning your own learning is, is finding how you're going to contribute to what you're putting into your mind. So basically, if we break this down, some of the ways you can help your kids own their learning is by letting them make choices letting them show off their work in a variety of ways, teaching them to use planners and allowing some flexibility within their planners, and then training them for tasks so that they are able to complete those tasks on their own without frustration. And finally, learning together and listening to their insights and curiosity and letting their ideas come to the fore and be really valid. So this time we talked all about your kids. Next time we're going to talk about moms. Moms are hard on themselves a lot. And so we want to talk about how to forgive yourself. You're not going to be a perfect homeschool mom. So we're going to give you some ideas for how to forgive yourself and move forward so that you can be happy and fulfilled in your homeschool. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for joining us today. Come and visit us at layersoflearning.com and on our Facebook group. Make sure to tune in next month for our new podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning!